0: Good morning, friends. I uh, shared with the first service, and I will share with you guys, I feel a little bit like a um, distant, kind of long-lost brother who knew about the family in the beginning and has seen some things from the outside on social media. And uh, Because I remember driving around with Pastor Jason when we worked together in student ministry, and he would throw out crazy questions like, look around this restaurant. I'm like, bro, I just want to eat. Because <clears throat> you tend to eat in about 10 seconds And it takes me about 10 hours So I'll, you keep looking That'll distract you for a little bit I'm going to keep munching Like, look at the like, What would this look like? And he'd kind of be dreaming And I'm just in reality And not that I'm always in reality You're always dreaming That's not at all what I'm saying Please don't fire me um, We... <laughs> And then we would drive, I remember driving to a conference, this was on my mind earlier this morning, I remember driving to a conference and he goes, if you could, if you plant a church, what would you name it? I'm like, but I'm not going to plant a church. Um, so dream, dream away. I just, so uh, it's been awesome. And then um, one of the first times I got to be a part of the inner workings of, of Watermark Church at that time was to preach at Middle School uh, North and uh what a great opportunity and then to come on staff here um September 1 has just been a joy so I get to see get to be brought into get to be brought into the uh just the family of 1910 church and it's been a blast so far and will continue to be that are you guys good if we go ahead and just jump right in yeah. Yeah. um I don't do a great job with easing into things, so we're just going to go. We have, uh, Pastor Jason mentioned earlier that we have been on this journey of of believe, and so we spent the first week talking about God, this majestic, holy, um, huge God that created the expanses of heaven, the universe, the bed that you just slept on and the coffee that you just drank that he created all far beyond what we can imagine or think of that God of the Bible created all he stands outside of time and he is holy and he is good and we talked about the fact last week that he is a personal God that he doesn't stand far off hoping that you might find your way stumble in your no, stumble in the dark on the way towards him but rather he makes himself known and he loves you and he He cares, and He knows you. And so this morning, we want to take a step further and go, well, how do we we move into that relationship? How is it that we are known personally? What does that look like? And so that's where we're going to stand. in order to do that, what I desire to do, I'm going to give you a little bit of a roadmap of where we're headed. We're just going to kind of go big picture first. I'm going to tell you a story. It's a great story. It's a really much longer story, but I've narrowed it down and uh, chopped it into a small story. Uh, And then we're going to just get some definitions and look at what the scripture says about salvation. Um, And then we're just going to look in the mirror for a little bit. So I hope you're okay with that. If not, there's still time to exit. Although the bouncers will probably kick you back in at some point if you're out there too long. Um, But here's the story, and you can read along with me on the screens. It's the story from which all other stories come from, and it's this, the supreme God overall created everything out of nothing as an accurate representation of who he is. There was a rebellion and chaos ensued. God establishes man, an image bearer, to join him in his restorative work to take, to be fruitful, multiply, and bring order out of chaos. But man rebels against God and in mutiny chose his ways over God. Graciously and mercifully, God protected and clothed them, promising rescue for them. The narrative of God's story shows God raise up an unlikely from an old couple. He tells them to walk in faith, taking confidence in and commitment to God's voice And hand, regardless of what their senses tell them. And God grows this family into a great nation, telling them He will bless them so that they will be a blessing to all nations, that all nations might know God as they are an accurate representation. But the problem of sin remains as the people of God continue in a downward spiral. But God is never late. And he brings about rescue through the person and work of Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the Messiah, the rescuer. Perfect through temptation, he brings peace to the broken chaos of the world around us. He demonstrates that he is In fact, God in the flesh and ushers in the kingdom of God. He willingly lays down his life on our behalf to be our covering in his death. And then through his resurrection, he grants freedom to the captive and commissions his followers to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples through incarnational living, trusting in his completed work. But we're not done. He promises, as, promises that he will return in full splendor. And until then, we are to contend for the faith, daily walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing his kingdom here on earth as it's already being carried out in heaven yes. for all eternity. Yes. this is the great gospel narrative and what so often happens um, is that if we just look towards what we would call the the old testament um we find ourselves um with with a great treasure with no key and so we're standing here looking at the end of malachi and going but what next there's no hope We're, we're lost And if we just look at what we call the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation, we would go, yeah, there's a great celebration, but we don't know where we've come from. We don't know the full story. So what this hopes to capture is this greater story, the gospel narrative. This is the good news of Jesus Christ from beginning to end and much of the end that we have not yet experienced, but we will. And so what I want to do is just narrow down the focus a little bit more and talk about this rescue aspect. And to do that, I want to ask three questions. What do we believe about salvation and God's role? What do we think about our part? And then lastly, um, what do you believe about how that impacts your life? And I want to do that by looking at, um, and we'll kind of bounce through this quickly, but just looking at the, what does the text say? If you want to know the best idea, what, 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 what's the best, what does God say? What does Jesus say about how I should live my life? The best way to figure that out, you guys ready, is to read the scriptures. Yes. I, I love listening to other pastors. Um, I love hearing other people teach. The best way for me to get what God is wanting to show me is to read the text. So here we go. What do you believe about salvation and God's role? We would say, and we believe that salvation is initiated by God and salvation is through God. It is God's plan from his position for his purposes to his glory. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 says this, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were in rebellion against God, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It is his work. It was initiated and started and moved by God. And it's also through God. Titus 3, 3 through 5 says this, once we too were foolish and disobedient. This doesn't really paint a great picture of us, right? I know you love the person you came with. I hope you do. Um, Or at least like them a little bit, right? This doesn't paint a good picture of them. You may think you're really cool and you went and got me donuts yesterday. This paints them in a little bit different light. Um, We too were once foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy. And we hated each other. It's a natural position of man carried out to its full extent is that we would rival each other. And there's animosity and anger built towards one another because they have what I want. And I'm going to do everything I can to steal what they have. And we begin to hate each other. So man carried out in his own tendencies in rebellion against God, it flushes itself out in rebellion against and hatred towards each other. That's another message for another day. Let me keep reading the text. Um, Our lives are full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. It's by God and it's through God. And what do you believe about your part? And we would make this statement, the salvation is received by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. See, the grace of God is not a gift of many. It's not the grace of God and then I, he gave me a, a voice and he gave me some money and a house and some kids and the coffee that I'm drinking this morning. Like he, the, the, the grace of God is the gift. It is the gift from which all other gifts flow. And so let's... Nay, kind of get a definition of grace. Grace is something that you did not earn. We love receiving grace. We have a much harder time understanding grace when it's applied to our enemy or somebody we don't like. Or our kid who just went crazy tantrum in the middle of aisle 12 at HEB. The grace, what we did not earn. And the grace given in, is Jesus. So here's here's the grace given. It's that Jesus in his life was perfect. And then on his death on the cross for our sins, the death that we should have died, he took on himself. But not only that, the, the grace of his resurrection power and the ascension on our behalf. And this is how we're trusting that in faith. Like, that's crazy. Logic would tell you that's nuts. Jesus lived, a man lived a perfect life from a moral standard that nobody can really uphold. And that he was killed for something that he didn't do in the spiritual realms, that it would be applied to you and I, that we would be made right with an almighty God. That his death or our death becomes his death, and, and the resurrection life he then applies and gives to us, and then he ascends into heaven, and that he would come back and enjoy us. Like that, when you say it out loud and you tell people that's what you believe, church, it takes faith. Yes. That's why there's this middle ground of Christianity in our culture that's dissipating, it's it's disappearing. Because it's no longer okay to just go, yeah, I believe in the, the Christian stuff. It, it, it's foolishness to those that would claim to be wise, and it's the wisdom of God that leads to life. So this faith is a confidence in and a commitment to God, regardless of what every sense of our being may say. To have faith is to trust completely this grace gift of God. Yeah. So what do you believe about how that impacts your life? He would say this, salvation leads to a purpose and free life now and in the life to come. God now, God eternally, and let me just share with you something really, really cool. The, the gift of God is not something that you would receive um, with, with your hands necessarily. The gift of God is himself. So, so we would uh, have a tendency to say, God, just give me this. Give, give me a, a car that I can drive around in, some, some kids, a, a house. Um, give, throw in a million um, dollars. And, and God, that would be really cool. And God would look at us and go, that's cute. Sad, but cute. I, got, I created the expanse of heaven. And, and, and the thing that you want most is something that you can buy more stuff that you created rather instead when I'm offering myself. Right, right. And a life and a purposed life now. The gift of God is himself. And then out of that, we receive the purpose and free life. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You have purpose. Colossians 1, 13 and 14, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. He has delivered us from something and transferred us for something. Delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And then John 8, a slave is not a permanent member of a family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. If the son has set you free, you are free indeed. So God's saving work moves you from death and darkness and ushers you into the kingdom and family of God. And then to be a part of his kingdom building, we're learning how to walk as a free people. So what's the point? We're gonna get to place a mirror in front of our own lives and see what this would mean. Let's say this, the the point of the rescue is a removal from the power of brokenness and chaos in and over you that you might be united with God. The point of the rescue is a removal from the power of brokenness and chaos in and over you that you might be united with God. So maybe to paint a better picture of what this rescue looks like, a removal from the power of brokenness and chaos over you, turn your attention to the screens so we can get a better picture.
1: The helicopter's hovering in, slowly and approaching the crane from the south. Right now he's coming in on his second pass. This may be the pass where they attempt to make contact with the stranded crane operator. Rescues are a spectacle. There's almost nothing that captures our attention more than disaster striking and finding out that someone, incredibly, has survived. And needs help. Got him, he's got him, has lifted the fireman and the victim off the crane at this time so he's out of danger. I've never seen a rescue like that in 19 years of flying. We owe a great deal of credit to those guys down there that were able to pull that rescue off. It can seem voyeuristic sitting on our couches or in our offices and watching events that are far away, that we are removed from. But in a way, these are the most essential stories stories of great peril, of hope of bravery. A woman is rescued after being trapped 17 days. Maybe they touch on something that's universal. I hope that when we're lost, someone will look for us. That strangers would risk their lives to save us. <laughs> and maybe it's a reminder of just how fragile we are. After being buried for seven and a half days, a seven-year-old kid named Kiki was dug
0: out alive and well.
1: It's what relief looks like, the relief of being reunited, of being grateful, of being alive. It's what the best parts of humanity look like.
0: from the power of brokenness and chaos in and over that you might be united with God. And I don't know if you caught a few of the things that the narrator said in there. Um, He he said things like, the hope that someone would come searching for you. That someone would risk their life to save you. It's a reminder, the rescue is a reminder of how fragile we are. And then with Kiki, Kiki, that's what relief looks like. As they were pulling somebody from the crane, the guy that was doing the, the broadcast said, I don't believe in all of my 19 years I've seen a rescue quite like that. In church, I would step back from that and go, This, what, what CNN just did was tell you the story of the gospel. <laughs> They showed glimpses of a greater narrative, a greater story that's been written in your lives. And the cumulative years of of God is more than 19 years that's been seen of God's continual rescue from something for something, but by his power that you've been pulled out of the pit. And it says that the salvation of God is a rescue and a rooting out from the deepest level and unfolding his character in the process. It's not just um, that that God took you from one place. that was kind of a bad situation. You made some bad decisions and put you in a new place. That's good. And we want that. But there's something deeper going on. It's that from the deepest root um, where the, the sin lies, where the rebellion lies, where death itself lies, is that God rescues and pulls out of that. It's not simply an external removal of debris or moving to safety, but pulling out from the deepest pits of death, which apart from God, we are most certainly headed for. And So let me give you a few examples from the scriptures of um, God Uh, of the root behind something and how God saved out of that. So let's take Joseph real quick, if we can, um, who was sold into slavery by his brothers. Some bad issues there. The root behind the captivity of Joseph was the jealousy of his brothers. And their solution, we all have solutions out of the root of our issue Their solution was to kill Joseph or at least get rid of him. But God rescues all of the brothers from their jealousy and hatred. And God rescues Joseph from bitterness that they might know the true love of the father. The root behind the Israelites, once they've been enslaved in Egypt for some time and they're set free, the root behind the Israelites' captivity in Egypt was pride of Pharaoh. And his solution was to kill babies and to drive them deeper into slavery but God rescues his people by the bloodshed of a spotless lamb that they would know the God who provides. The root behind the captivity for the Israelites, once they were freed, was disobedience and pride, and their solution was many gods complaining and a desire to go back into Egypt, into slavery. But God saves a remnant that they would know that God is faithful. And one more example is the man that dies next to Jesus and his root, the root behind the thief on the cross was a need for more and his solution was to steal and extort that which wasn't his and God rescues him to an eternal inheritance that could never be purchased on his own through Jesus by the grace of God so that he might know the great mercy of God. So, so often we look at scripture and we go, ah, that's, that's good. That's makes me have some feels. That's, that's nice. But then when we have the mirror placed in front of us, we go, but, but I'm okay. I'm not, I'm not like that. And if we're real honest, you're probably right. You're not like that. We're probably a little bit worse off. (laughs) Something we say quite often is that there's the, the, the foot of the cross is level. We don't get to look at somebody else and go, I'm okay, but this person really needs help. (laughs) This person really needs it. In fact, let's just pray for them right now. We all are in need of rescue. And the very fact that we have a tendency to look towards somebody else as needing it and not us is that maybe we don't understand grace as much as we need to. For us, the roots are similar. And we've got some great pseudo savers or some fake saviors. So in our allegiance, or in our rebellion, we pledge allegiance to the enemy. And in that, we became slaves to sin. And we can't break free on our own, though we try to find a way out. or We try to find some comfort in some of these pseudo-saviors. So a few examples. We turn to sex and pornography as a rescue for loneliness, but it doesn't cure the brokenness. We turn to the pseudo-rescuer of money and status to give us identity and affirmation. We turn to our kids and how they perform and what they do in hopes that they will bring us some sort of affirmation. And if they don't make something out of their lives, if they make something out of their lives, it might mean that mine means something. Guys, kids are horrible saviors. They, they don't want to die for you. They want Cheerios from you. Kids are not our rescuers. And to place that weight on them is, is completely unfair. For them to have to be, carry that weight of your identity and your affirmation that really needs to be directed towards the shoulders of Jesus who can bear that and has proven that through his death, burial, and resurrection. We turn to a hobby in the garage, or a book, or a gym, or a TV show, or a vacation to escape reality, and we look to it as the momentary savior, but it has no power other than for us to disengage from current life. We turn to being a nice person so that others will be okay with us we listen more to the voice of man rather than the voice of God. And so we find ourselves in the middle of these pseudo saviors, and we think that we can take care of the deep need. We find other ways around us to take care of the deep need, but Jesus comes and lives a perfect life as God in the flesh. He takes on our death, he pays the penalty, and raises to life, providing rescue for me and you. So, so here's the deal, church: you can stop looking. He's already shown himself. It's what we saw, the fact that he is a personal God. He has shown himself. In God's mercy, he saves us in the middle of us thinking, acting like we can save ourselves. There there was nobody in those stories that we just saw that the rescuers got about halfway and said, Hey, I tell you what, it's been 17 days. Give me another seven. I'll burrow the rest of the way out. Be good. Be good. Kiki wasn't sitting there kicking it around, be like, hey, just remove this one and I'll climb out. What was the response? As soon as there was a face of somebody that was coming to get them, it was relief and awe and a grasping for with any ounce of strength that they had, a clinging to, thank you, thank you. I didn't think, I thought I was dead. But now I know that somebody came for me. It's the greater story of the rescue of Jesus. How many of us are in that place of desperation going, God, please. I need you in a clinging for when we have seen and been handed the hand of God and be able to see the face of God through Jesus, be able to cling to him and say, thank you. That's what relief looks like. The goal is to one the goal is to turn to one who can actually provide rescue work and salvation out of the power of brokenness. Jesus rescues us from our loneliness, our pride, our indifference, our apathy, our constant need for identity and affirmation. Jesus saves us from the stench of death now and the experience of eternal death. Jesus is our comfort. Jesus is our unfailing king. He is our identity. And Jesus tells us whose we are and who we are. Do we Know and believe this. It's one thing to believe cognitively and have an understanding of the story. Have you applied it to your life? Even when it doesn't make sense to step forward going, God, I I trust you. I continue to trust your rescue work in this moment. I trust you wholly and completely. Not waiting for another rescue. Not turning to something else that may help subdue where we are, but turning to Jesus and Jesus alone going, you are all that I have. You are my only hope and my only rescue? Do we know and believe this, and does this belief affect your action? Does this bring great relief? The burden that you walked in here with, does the reminder of Jesus's rescue bring great relief of the hope of Jesus? Church, don't settle for a pseudo-rescuer who is no rescue at all. Our pseudo-rescuers simply try to remove us from brokenness, but they have no effect over the power that causes the brokenness in the first place. They simply mask and distract, and it's a great ploy of the enemy to make you think everything's okay, that I'm just fine. In church, we're not fine. So two simple questions for you this morning. Can you pinpoint a moment or chart a sequence of moments in time when you realize that Christ died for you? When that rescue became reality in your own life, where the, the, the hope of Jesus has, you, you, you say, okay, it's moved from here to here. I, I fully understand and believe, even though it doesn't, I don't understand it all, I still trust and walk forward in that. The point when you were rescued. And is there a brokenness that you would cry out to God and be rescued from? You see, Joseph spent a lot of his life in slavery. He was sold into slavery. He got put in jail. He was in chains. What we know about Joseph's life is that even though he was enslaved, he walked around like a free man. His circumstances never changed, but he was a free man. On the flip side of that, the Israelites had been freed from the oppression, from the captivity that was placed over them for so long. And yet, they walked around as though they had not been set free. In fact, they wanted to go back into the slavery and captivity of their former um, owner. And most of us who are Christ followers probably mirror the Israelites in the wilderness more than we do Joseph. So you can have all the trappings and appearances of continued enslavement just because your circumstances haven't changed and you're continuing to cry out, God, save me out of this. And perhaps, I I don't know this for sure in your situation, but perhaps Jesus is just saying, I wanna save you first and then I'm gonna pull you out of that because it's the desperation that drives you towards me. And you need to know that I'm good and that I'm here and that I will take you out of someplace else. So you can have all the trappings and appearances as those who, um, that are continuing enslavement and be the most free person in the world because of Jesus. And on the flip side of that, you can have the aura of true freedom. You can get what you want, when you want, how you want, with nobody asking questions, which our culture would say, that's true freedom. And you can be the most trapped and enslaved person because you don't have the rescue work of Jesus in your life and you can keep rolling that out and see how it plays out throughout the rest of your life and it's going to be lonely, empty, and barren and lead towards death. Romans 10:9 If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So church, my plea, my encouragement for you today, It's to trust him, cling to him, celebrate the rescue today. Tell the story of salvation today. Those people that you saw on the screen, they didn't act like everything was just normal and that hadn't ever happened. That changed the rest of their life. Shouldn't the eternal rescue of God's people lead to the exclamation of his rescue work? For that person that's just been kind of listening and like, I, I think, I think, yes, maybe. I'm just kind of waiting till all this stuff, kind of this Jesus stuff plays out a little bit more. Let's say this, um, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Some of us in here are thinking about somebody else that needs to hear a message of salvation. And my encouragement for you is, we need to be found and restored so that we can walk beside others and continue God's rescue work. Not that we do the saving, but we point towards Jesus. Will you guys stand with me? I'm gonna ask our prayer and ministry team to come down. um, And they're just gonna be here along the front as we sing and proclaim a song of God's rescue and freedom. And I've got two Pictures that have been in my mind since this morning. One is the the person that is just in handcuffs. They're in chains and they've been crying out or trying to search for something to loose the chains. And for you in here, I would say his name is Jesus and he will set you free. We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is who he says he is and he did what he said he did. We, We step towards that in faith. And the other picture is that of the person that has just white-knuckled and tried to grip as hard as you can to the things around you and holding on as tight as you can because if you don't, your world's gonna fall apart. And my encouragement for you this morning is to release. You're trying to play the role of rescuer. And you're not. Turn to the one that is and open your hands and walk forward in faith. So if either one of those is you, we just invite you to come and pray alongside uh, one of our prayer ministry team that are up here, and we're going to sing a song about God's great. Spirit, I don't believe that you're done working in the hearts of people in this room. So God, there's somebody that you're just sitting there knocking, waiting. You've removed the debris for them to be able to see and breathe this morning. God, would they respond to you in faith, believing the grace and mercy that's been placed over them? They're not too far removed. They're not too far. God, let them come and receive with an open hand yourself this in the mighty name of Jesus.